Father, we're so grateful and thankful for Jesus. We lift up that name. We magnify that name. We invoke that name in this service over every heart and every life. And Father, we pray, Father, may your words be said. Father, may your deeds be done. May your glory be made manifest. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our midweek service of Word and Spirit. And we greet each and every one of you. We uh, greet all those watching via live stream all over the world. You know, some people have the audacity to go to California for a conference and miss my meetings. <laughs> and so we, we say hi from California, praise the Lord. We, we do have a delegate out there, praise the Lord. And so well, we're here, they're there, but uh, God will bless us all, amen. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. While you're turning, we'll do a little review. And uh, when I say a little review, that's God's definition of a little. Just like his definition of soon is not our definition of soon. Because it seems very often as we do a review, the, the Spirit of God would have me emphasize things and make sure we get them in our heart. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing, not by having heard. And uh, we said at the start of this semester, we would do things a little differently. For years, during Word and Spirit, we would just carry one or two themes throughout the semester. And especially during COVID, we, we had plenty of time. You know, we, I didn't travel as much and, and so forth. We were able to sometimes get two themes and, and exhaust a subject where, to a place we feel, hey, we, we learned a little few things. But uh, th this semester, and something I've been wanting to do for some time, is just um, be open uh, to whatever each service, whatever the Spirit of God would say. Not necessarily a theme for the whole semester, but each service. And when we started a few weeks ago, we started on subject, and I thought we'd finish it up in maybe one or two times, but as you know, you know, that's my definition, and we're on the fourth part of this, and we still have some things we need to communicate, things and to share that I believe it's important for the family churches and for the body of Christ. And we've been looking at, for a lack of a better title, I've been calling it the Prophet Personality and Preferences. The Prophet Personality Preferences. Now, what in the world do I mean by this? Is learning to discern the difference between what is the Spirit of God saying and doing and what is the human element involved. And so we, we need to understand not everything a minister or a person uh, does um, is the Holy Ghost. God has chosen to use human vessels, and we need to learn to discern that and, and know what is, what is the God part and what is the human part, and just kind of learn to work with it and discern the difference. And uh, we, we've been seeing that uh, there is a human element, and uh, you know, we, we ought not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, if we see a little bit of a human element in, in something or someone misses it. Uh, we, we just don't cut everything off, but to learn and to grow and be mature about these things. Uh, you know, we have newer people with us all the time, and I use this illustration to note how the Spirit of God works, and, and He has chosen to hum, use human vessels. You know, I was raised up in a farm, 
up in Whitaker Road near Arkwright, and uh, uh, up there, there's, there's water everywhere underground. You just dig three, four feet, five feet, and, and you'll hit, hit a spring of uh, water, and there's water all over the place. And so um, our water up on the farm was a hand-dug well back when they dug them by hands, no equipment, and they would place big boulders inside the well. It's an amazing thing. Well, that, that is God's water. That is homemade water. I mean, sitting up there, and uh, it, it is pure water. Well, uh, the house was built, I don't know when, but uh, I know that, uh, you know, it's, some parts of it was before they really had electricity in homes, and I know some parts of it before you even had a, a bathroom in the house, we, they had an outhouse, so the bathroom was just a, a little addition added to the end of the house. Well, um, growing up there, we, we learned something. You know, whenever we got up in the morning and we wanted a, a glass of water, Mama always tell, told us to let the water run a little bit because they, they piped that spring water with galvanized pipes. And over the year, uh, it became corrupted, corroded, rusted, uh, and so forth. And, you know, first thing in the morning, you turn on the water, it comes out brown. Man, how gross, how disgusting. But you just let it run a little bit, and then you got good water, then you could drink it. And so uh, the same thing, God has chosen to use human vessels. And sometimes, uh, you know, when God is doing something, saying something, um, it picks up the flavoring of the pipes. You know, um, if it's plastic pipes in water, you can, you can pick up the plastic taste. You know, copper, we have uh, copper in our home, we can pick up the taste of the copper pipes. Galvanized, rusted pipes, you, you taste a little bit of that. Uh, the water is pure. The source is pure, but because it goes through these, these pipes, it does pick up some of the flavoring. And same thing, God has chosen to use a man, meaning male man, female man, and it does pick up flavorings. And we have to learn like we did growing up. We just didn't say, bless God, we won't drink the water. I probably wouldn't drink the water now, you know, knowing what I know and so forth. But back then, we, we just learned to work with it and run with it and, and, and go with it. And so the same thing uh, with the moving of the Spirit of God. And so learning to work with it and not to just discount things because of the human element. God has chosen to use people. And uh, not everything that is said and done is 100% the Holy Ghost, especially when a person is involved. And so our golden text is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, and we just built the foundation looking at some things about the human element in uh, manifestations and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 19, and Paul says this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He gives three statements. Number one, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. The first thing he says, quench not, means stop not. Stop not the Spirit. Now, how many of you know you can't stop the Holy Spirit from being the Holy Spirit? It's talking about the moving Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost is, is moving and wanting to manifest, want to say things and do things, what does the Bible say? Don't quench it or don't put a stop to it. Don't be a wet blanket on it. So right away, that tells us we can quench it. We can stop it. We, we can hinder it. And so God may want to say things and do things, but uh, we, in cooperating with it, we, with uh, being yielded to it, can, can put a stop to things. Again, just to point out the human element. 
that uh, God uh, doesn't very often move sovereignly outside a human vessel, but all through the ages and all through the book, you see that God uses people. And, uh, and so uh, people are not to quench the spirit. We looked at that, and again, just for review. And notice the second thing it said in verse 20, despise not prophesying. Now we know prophesying is a gift of the spirit. It's something Paul said for all of us to desire, above all things, to prophesy, to speak unto men, edification, exhortation, comfort. And so uh, many times it's the Spirit of God wanting to give utterance, give voice uh, in our lives and in, in a congregation. Now notice what it says, don't despise it. Now why in the world would you despise something that God gives? Well, again, like the spring water where we grew up, the, the water is great. But man, after it gets through those pipes, man, you, you just don't want to drink the pipe from the water from the pipes. And evidently, uh, here at Church of Thessalonica, had the same issue that the Corinthians had, that uh, they, they abused prophecy, misused it, put in the wrong place. No, no doubt, uh, with abuse and misuse, people begin to despise it. And, and we also saw sometimes the devil got in the mix. And, you know, you, you see all that, you can despise it. You know, I shared in my own testimony, you know, you know, old-time Pentecostals thought all prophecy was is when the mu music was playing and there's a pause in between the music and someone would stand up and say, shundai, shundai, bowtie, bowtie, andai, andai. You know, and of course it would always start with, thus saith the Lord. And it would always be in the King James. You know, because God only speaks King James. And it, it wouldn't be anything with any unction. It would just be, say, I am with thee. Well, that's a big revelation. I am for thee. I see thee, and I knoweth thee. Then, of course, it would always end with, thus saith the Lord. And, you know, throughout the years, we, we had some real amazing prophecies we heard. You know, like one time, the end is near for girls are pretty, you know. <laughs> well, you know, you, you hear enough of that. You begin to despise it because of the abuse, the misuse of it, but... What it says just, you know, you can throw the baby out the bathwater, and if you do that, you'll never have an expression of it. And a prophecy, and, you know, we've teached on this, only a very small percentage is in a public service. It ought to be operating in your, in your prayer life, in your praise and worship to God, and so forth, and, and in your personal witnessing, speaking by the inspiration of God. And so don't despise it, because if you despise it, shut it off, you won't have any of it. But here is the key in verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. So what are we to prove? Well, in context, it's talking about any move of the Holy Ghost. You're to prove it, especially when it comes through human vessels. We're to prove it. What's that mean? That means to test it. To, to make sure it is the Holy Ghost. And so that tells us from the Word of God, not Every manifestation is 100% the Holy Ghost. Because if it was the Holy Ghost, why would we, we prove it? Why would we have to test it? And we said this, and it bears repeating, the Holy Ghost will not be grieved if you test him, prove him. If the Holy Ghost was moving and, and you said, well, is this the Holy Ghost or not? Says, I, I got to check it by the word. I got to check it by the unction anointing. The Holy Ghost will never be grieved. He'd be pleased. 
But when you have a false spirit, an evil spirit, or if you're full of pride, you know, you get offended at that. It says, well, bless God, I'm used of God. And, and no, you can't. Or if a spirit gets upset that, that uh, you test them, try them. Well, well, it's easy to discern that that is an, an evil spirit. And we said this, even the Apostle Paul was caught up into heaven and received what we call the Pauline revelation. And we read this in the book of Galatians that one of the first things he did was submitted his revelation to the elders and to the other apostles. And notice he said, lest I run or had run vain. Even though he had saw Jesus, even though he had revelation, he submitted that revelation to his elders. And see, um, the spirit of Christ, anyone who uses the spirit of Christ has a humble spirit. If any spirit says, bless God, you know more than your pastor, you better not share that with your pastor. He doesn't know you. You're specially used. Well, we looked at that. What is that? that that's pride. That is a wrong spirit. You know, I, I really wish I had some time to meddle on this. <laughs> Even the apostle Peter, that great apostle, he submitted to a pastor. Remember when, when uh, you know, the church prayed and, and there was a jailbreak, you know, so to speak. The angel let him out. What was the first thing he, he did? He went to uh, a prayer meeting was where the, you know, the home church was gathering. And he says, hey, I, I got to go undercover. He says, you go tell James I'm not going to be in church on Sunday. Tell him what's going on. Let my pastor know. And so, you know, anybody who thinks they're spiritual... And is above submitting to a pastor, well, they got a wrong spirit. They're off. They're off spiritually. And so, again, what, why we bring this out? Because there's so much goofiness out there. So much weirdness. And, uh, you know, and if that's all you see, and, uh, you know, I, I've had a ministry of, of rescuing people from goofy, goofy churches and goofy ministries. I've ruined many people's ministry. I'm going to mention names, but to someone thought they were a prophet to the nation. And uh, they got around me, they found out they're not a prophet at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but you know, all the goofy stuff, the prophecies, and, and, you know, and they have conferences where you can pay a fee and they, they will release you into the prophet. All, all that is junk, bunk, and hogwash. And I, I know some of you would say, crazy. Crazy stuff. You wouldn't believe it. Oh, it's out there. It's out there. And I've rescued many people from that that are open and humble and willing. But if you're full of pride and and you want titles and and stuff like that, uh, you know, you'll you'll continue to be deceived in darkness and so forth. So we're just looking at this. So how how do you know? How do you know what's, what's the Lord? How do you know it's the flesh? How do you know it's the devil? Well, Brother Hagin says, when it's God, the glory comes. Blessing comes. You just sense a blessing over the congregation. And you become more aware of Him. When it's the flesh, it, it puts cold water over the service. And then the, the person being used is exalting themselves. Demons will exalt the person. But if it's a demon, I mean, it, it just... It causes the hair on the back of your neck to come up, goosebumps, and just, ah, like, ah, type of thing. But, uh, you, you know, you can look at those things, but we saw this in First John chapter 2. We all have an unction to know. Verse 20, it says, but you have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. In context, talking about wrong spirits, 
those that would try to seduce you, those trying to minister on the wrong spirit. And verse 27, 1 John 2, 27, but the unction or the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you the same anointing teaches you in all things and his truth and is no lie, even as he has taught you, you shall abide in him. So you have an unction to know. You know, we made reference, and, and if you're newer with us, we encourage you to get the other services. You know, I gave you an illustration just as a 19-year-old. You know, not preaching, not, not teaching, you know, but just following on the inside and looking at TV and, and some folks sh trying to look like they're having a manifest spirit that I, I knew instantly. I know instantly that, uh, you know, they're, they're not right. They, they got a wrong spirit and, and others didn't see it because they weren't taught to look on the inside, the unction, the unction of the Holy One. And so we, we ought to know. And when, when you turn... You know, I, I'm not big on Christian TV. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there, but there's good stuff out there. You know, uh, YouTube, you know, you know, I know my marching orders is to follow Kenneth Hagin, but there, there's others that will bless you and so forth. But I, I, I've seen folks, even before they become nationally known, I've seen one since something's wrong. Something's wrong. I, I don't know what it is, something's wrong. And then find out they have some false doctrine they're promoting in the body of Christ. And others, you know, they're, they're living in sin. You know, just, just not right. And I, I just remember, I, I don't want to give locations, but uh, in a certain location, that uh, a pastor, you know, got himself on TV, the cable network. And I, I looked, just saw him up there. And he says, he, he's got wrong. There's something wrong with him. And sure enough, he was caught with porn. And I don't know if it was child porn, porn, and of course, lost his ministry. You know, uh, again, there's not natural knowledge. It's not a prophet's office. It's an unction. We have an unction to know. And, you know, the unction will, will help you separate the good from the bad, but also it will let you know, you know, the Holy Ghost is moving, but man, that's, that's a little flesh. That's a little of the minister or the, the messenger in it. And that's why uh, it's important to live clean and to live right and be consecrated and dedicated. And you know why? Because that makes you cleaner pipes. Fast, pray, consecrate, dedicate. You know, over and over again in the Old Testament it says, Be clean, you that bear the vessels of the Lord. You know, and of course it was talking about the priest carrying the tabernacle, but in the New Testament, you know, we, we have the tabernacle of God that we need to be clean and live holy and consecrate and dedicated. Amen. And so, you know, a lot of groundwork on this. And, and then we finally began with all this groundwork. We began to look at the prophet's ministry. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 33. And it says this, let the prophets speak, two or three, let the others judge. If there any be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For you all may prophesy one by one, that you may learn and be comforted. The spirit of the prophets is our subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the saints. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about the use of tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy, and primarily in a church setting, in a congregational setting, and what's for. Uh, the Corinthians were misusing tongues, misusing prophecy. Paul was trying to show them what should be done in home, what should be done in public, and there was abuse, misuse, and, and even wrong spirits manifesting. And in it, and so that's why God corrected 
it. And like we said before, just because God corrected doesn't mean he's little on it. If you're using your microwave to dry your socks and your underwear, and, it, and I come say, that's not what microwave is for. You wouldn't say I'm, I'm down on microwaves. I love microwaves. Thank God for microwaves. Now I'm just correcting the abuse and misuse. And that's all that Paul was doing. And so after a lot of verses of correcting the abuse and misuse, he, he changes from the people to the ministry gift of a prophet. And now he says, let the prophet speak two or three. And so here we are not to do quench the prophet's ministry we are not to despise the prophet's ministry but give room to it and recognize it we know this jesus in his hometown could do no mighty work because uh they did not receive him as a prophet of god and so you know jesus said this whoever receives a prophet in the name of prophet shall receive a prophet's reward and same thing that's why we tell people call your pastor pastor don't call him Jill, Dick, Harry, whatever your pastor's name, because you're, you're just calling them after a man, and the man can't do much for you. But when you call him pastor, give honor that you receive him pastor, that pastor's gift will work for you. And so these, these are all spiritual laws. You know, we, we teach people to call them pastor, not, not to, to put a pastor on a pedestal or to, to feed an ego. No, it's just to show honor. Show honor how, how you honor that office, is how you honor God, because he gave that gift. And you know, part of growth is learning to separate the man from the mantle. You know, um, my name's Michael, and if you just call me Michael, Michael has nothing much to give you at all. You know, you know there, I, I have very little to offer you, you know, outside the anointing of God that's in my life. But, but if you, you honor that mantle, then you can receive of that, you know, and so forth. And so, spiritual laws. Now, let the prophets speak. But notice this. The prophets are given instructions of what to do and not to do, just like the congregation. And um, so that tells us that there, there is a human element even in the prophet's ministry. And it's proven here where it says, let the others judge. And again, this is something that folks need to, to be mature about, that you, you have to judge a prophet's ministry. The Bible tells you to. Let them speak, allow that ministry, but you've got to judge what they say. You've got to judge what they do. M meaning that, uh, you know, some of it can be their, their own spirit that gets mixed in it. And I don't know if I'll get to that or not. You know, uh, I think it's in Ezekiel chapter 13 uh, that it said, Woe unto the prophets that prophesy out of their own spirit. That, that, that they prophesy vain things that are not what God is saying. And so that's another thing a prophet has to be very careful is, is make sure that they only say what the Spirit of God is saying and not what their own spirit, or their own desires, their own wishes, and, and also keep their soul out of it as well. And so there's a lot of things, and may, may just be a little too deep on it, but studying that, I'd love to get into it. And uh, you'll, you'll know a, a true prophet in, in that chapter, I believe it's 13, is that it talked about the, these false prophets that were for show, and they were giving these great prophecies and, and wanting everyone to pat them on the back. 
But it said this, they didn't take up the hedge. They didn't stand in the gap. A, a true prophet, his primary, primary ministry is in prayer and helping people and, and praying for the nation, praying for situations, praying for the church. His, his public ministry is just a very, very small part of his ministry. Uh, like I said before, I operate in a measure. You know, I'm not drawing attention to it. It's just a fact. I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say it. You know, but 90, 95% of my prophet's ministry is not, not in public. It's in private. It's operating almost daily um, in private, in, in prayer. I mean, today in prayer, in the nighttime, being woken up, seeing things and, 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 and praying. That, that's mostly it. And, you know, come to church and there's not much happening. <laughs> you know, it's as the Spirit of God wills. But if, if someone is ministering, that's all they do, and they, they do it publicly, well, they're a performer. They're not a prophet. And that's exactly what, what uh, Ezekiel, God said to Ezekiel, that they're, they're, they're uh, performing prophets, and they have not a, a word of the Lord. But anyway, again, these things have to be judged. We're just kind of, you know, like Brother Hagin saying, picking up every stone, turning over every log, and just kind of anything around this that will help us and to be mature about it. And so the prophet's ministry needs to be judged. Kenneth E. Hagin, the foremost prophet in the, in the world when he, when he was alive, he said this, I have missed it. And, uh, you know, if anything I say or minister, it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, just throw it out. He says, I can miss it, and any of you that have never missed it, you can cast the first stone. Here is the foremost prophet, greatly used. I don't know anybody else where Jesus would, would come and sit with them for an hour and a half and, and re receive revelation like he did, and yet uh, he, he said, I can miss it. And then, and then we looked at that. We see why, you know, it, you know, does God miss it and give a message? No, but our interpretation of it and I, I shared my own experience and I've learned just to keep my mouth shut <laughs> you know when you know having visions and trying to interpret them you know and realizing you know what the, you know I'm glad I didn't say anything because my interpretation of that was wrong but when it came to pass that's what it meant and Ken Fagan was had a vision Jesus appeared to him and for 12 years yeah. he was he was given the wrong interpretation of it and, and, he, and he missed it so does that mean we don't listen to Brother Hagen? All of his teachings are bunk, junk, and hogwash. His brother Greer would say, no, no, we, we understand people can miss it. So the prophet's ministry needs to be judged. And so I, I said this, how do I handle personal prophecies? Number one, I consider the messenger. And this will help you, considering the messenger. You know, are, are they proven? Are they seasoned in ministry? How, how is their track record? Like I said, you know, Kenneth Hagin, Dr. Frayne, prophesy over me, you know, woo, okay. Then, but, you know, anybody of greater rank and, and, and longevity in ministry, I, I take heed to that. I, okay. But if it's a peer, a, a, a peer, then it, it, it's, I, I, I don't take it as greater weight. And if it's someone who, who just is three years in the ministry and doesn't know how to tie their, tie, or tie their shoes, you know, you just smile at that. And you've got to understand that God does not raise up prophets when, when they're young. 
They may be called when they're young, but uh, it's unscriptural. God said, put not a novice even in a deacon's office. You know a deacon? Uh, wash the toilets and, uh, you know, and just straighten the chairs. He said, you've you got to prove a deacon. God doesn't raise up young people. When young people think they're prophets, they're full of pride. And, and they're, they're deceived in all these things. Again, why am I going this way? I know I'm just drawing out of the well. I got, I got some places I want to go, but evidently I'm speaking to some things that's trying to, trying to help. And, um, and also, there, there's no such thing as a prophet in the pews. Every ministry gift is a preacher or teacher of the Word of God. That's the first and primary ministry. I operate in offices, but my, my primary ministry is to preach and teach the Word of God. And, uh, you know, Paul told Timothy, to, to preach the Word, be in season and out. And so, um, and there, there's an error where folks think, well, I'm a prophet in the pew. You know, I, I'm not called to preach or teach, but I'm here to prophesy, give people messages. Well, yeah, you have a spirit, but it's not the Spirit of God. It, it's a wrong spirit. There, there, there's no such thing as a, a prophet in the pew. And then there's no such thing as someone in... We used to have pews. You understand in the, in the chairs. It, it sounds neat when you say pews. And it's unscriptural for someone in the pews to give their pastor a message. It doesn't work that way. You study Moses, Moses' ministry. It said in the New Testament, it likened it to... He had the church in the wilderness... You know, and so, but you, you study how God operates. God changes not. You, you see anybody in the congregation that tried to straighten Moses out and tried to give him a word? You see how that went very well? The, the earth would swallow them up. You know, they, they were struck with leprosy. Because God, they, were, they were dishonoring God. But, uh, but you see Jethro, his father-in-law. He goes to Moses, his son, what you're doing is not good. Anyone in the pew would have done that, swallowed up. But Moses fell on his face whenever he met Jethro. He fell on his face. Why? Number one, he was his elder. Number two, he was the priest of Midian. Number three, he had more experience with God than he did. He knew God longer than he did. And so God used Jethro to speak to him. Notice it went from the top down, never from down up. And again, all these things are, are spiritual laws. And so, back to how do you handle personal prophecy, considering the messenger. Number two, consider the message. Is it scriptural? Does it bear witness with my spirit? Is it confirming something I already have? Or is, if not, is God trying to get my attention? And number three, I consider the repetition. Is it is, is I'm getting that same message over and over and over and over and over again. You know, because sometimes you say, well, I just keep getting the same message. That's just showing it's God. Yeah. Re remember, even uh, with Pharaoh, you know, with, in the time of Joseph, he, he did twice. That way, repetition to know it's God. God will always repeat and repeat. And we have scripture that Paul said this, that uh, I go bound to Jerusalem not knowing what will befall me there. But in every city, bonds and afflictions await me. That means everywhere I went, every prayer meeting, every prophet got around, so you, you, you know, bonds and afflictions are waiting for you. You know, I just get this in prayer, Paul. You know, bonds and, you know, every place he's going. And, and he know that. So it just bared witness. So the, these are some things that help us. Okay. 
Let's, let's go to verse 30. Of 1 Corinthians 14. Let the prophet speak. Let another judge. And verse 30. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Now, very interesting. Why, why, would, the whole, why would God have to tell a prophet ministering to be quiet and let someone else have a turn? If it wasn't 100% God. And there, there's a lot of things here. What, what, what can we just kind of... There's a human element involved. You know, there are some people just love to talk. There's, there's some people that will talk beyond the anointing. And they don't know the difference. And, uh, you know, the importance, especially when you walk close with God, is the part of humility. Not wanting to be seen, not wanting to showboat, not wanting to sensationalize. It's just humility. And then, you know, and just be, you know, a great thing for anybody to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, be sensitive to the people, you know, and uh, how, how to communicate for God, but also how to, how to connect with the people. And here it says with, when prophets are ministering, that he ought to be sensitive enough that God may want to be using someone else and uh, they be sensitive enough and pick that up. And you have to understand this, uh, that when the Holy Ghost is moving, if you're sensitive enough, you ought to know what he's wanting to do. I, I can go into service and, uh, you know, sit there and uh, I smile a lot in services. You know why I smile a lot? Because I know the Holy Ghost wants to say something, do something. No one's wanting them to do anything. They're doing their own thing. They're, they're in a the rut. And so, you know, do I stand up correct? No, especially if I'm in another person's house. All right, Jesus, I'll straighten that out. Do you know this, that you're out of order? If you come to another person's house and try to do a prophecy, try to minister to anybody in that house, you're out of order and you're, you're of a wrong spirit. Well, the Holy Ghost will meet. Uh, no, he wouldn't. You know, I, I wouldn't go to your house and just start taking control of your kids and start rearranging the furniture. I, you can call the police because I'm out of order. It's the same thing. The Spirit of God won't call someone to come in, oh, I'm visiting here, and I have a message from the Lord. And, and usually they're, they're the prophet pews, pew prophets that aren't prophets, that think the prophet's full of pride, and want to, to stand up, give a message, or to minister to someone. That, that's a wrong spirit. That's a wrong spirit. You know, parents, you know, a stranger, you wouldn't want your stranger correcting your kids. No. You know, if they did, you know, having 10 years of martial arts... Um, if God didn't do something, I would have. You know, that type of, it, it, that's wrong. That's out of order. And then saying there's people that come in, you know, yeah, we just recently, we, we had a, a dear, dear deceived saint come in and blow their little shofar and said, good God, that's what they do. They go from house to house blowing a shofar. Well, yeah, you blowed a lot of hot air, proved it. Yeah. And, and, you know, bless their darling hearts and think God has them. They don't have a ministry. They're deceived. They're led by a, a, a wrong spirit. Because God doesn't do that. How do you know that? God is not the author of confusion. And, he, and he, in context, he's talking about this prophet ministry and, and ministering and stuff like that. Now, why, why, is it, why are we talking about that? I don't know. I'm just drawing out of the well. I, I got some things in my notes I want to get to. 
We're just swiping it all clean. So, if anything revealed, first said, bye, let the first hold its peace. Let, let, let's just, lest I pick up something else. Let's go to 31. 1 Corinthians 14.31, and in context, for y'all may prophesy one by one that you all may learn and all be comforted. All right. This we have to get to. The rule of Bible interpretation. The rule of Bible interpretation is, you know, of course, who's doing the speaking? Who are they speaking to in heaven in context? All right. Who is where it says you all may prophesy one by one? Who is he talking to? Is he talking to the congregation? Or is he talking to the prophets? The prophets. Uh, How many churches will pull this out and say you all may prophesy one by one and have an open mic and just go up and give your word? Well, it's unscriptural. Unscriptural by the Bible. This, this commandment, notice it says, let the prophets speak. And, uh, and the next verse, verse 32, the spirit of the prophets are subject to prophets. So he starts with prophets, then he says, you all may prophesy, ends with prophets. In that context, he's not talking to congregation. He's talking to the prophets. You know, and when it comes to congregation, he said, let, let be two or three at the most. Then, then stop. But with prophets, you can continually do it, but just let two or three prophets speak because that way, you know, you know if you have everyone come up, you know, that's a prophet or so forth, you know, of course, the bigger churches like that, these were ministry hubs were, were back then where prophets were scriptural and had a pastor and were in churches. <laughs> you know, they, they, they probably had 20, 25 <laughs> prophets that traveled, you know, in bigger churches like that. And so rather than having 20 give a message, says, just leave it to two or three, and they can get it out. Just take turns and so forth like that. Okay, but verse 32, okay, so we establish, it's talking the prophets. But verse 32, the spirit of the prophets are subject prophets, just to prove that, that verse 31 was directed to the prophets. And this is a very important verse. What does it mean? That means a prophet's gift is governed by human control and execution. Notice the spirit of the prophets. That's what God gives. That, the ability to see. The ability to prophesy. That, that prophet's office. Notice it didn't say it's subject to the spirit of God. The spirit of prophets is subject to the prophets. It's subject to the person. What's that mean? Even if you're a prophet, the Spirit of God does not make you say or do anything. No. You're in complete control. Whether you prophesy or not, whether you minister or not, whether you yield to the Spirit of God, you are in complete control. It is in your control, not in God's control. And again, that's why the human element, because you know, folks just swallow everything a prophet does. You've got to understand... <laughs> They got the fire holes. They can, they can direct it or turn it off if they want. And, and something we can see here, if anybody, anybody says, well, the Spirit of God made me do that. All right. In light of Scripture, is that the Holy Ghost? 
No, that's a demon making you. The spirit of God, uh, the demons will drive, they'll make you, they'll harass you. The spirit of God will never, will never make you do anything. I, I find it very amazing that the, God the Father, God the Son, Holy Ghost, nothing greater, nothing grander, nothing more stronger. All right? Jesus is likened to what? A lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In the book of Revelation, there was no man worthy to open the books and the seals thereof. And, and the, the, the apostle John, and I wept much. And when the elders said, behold, the lion, you know, the, the lamb, uh, it goes, uh, the lion tribe, it said this, that a lamb came. He is a lion of Judah, but I'm trying to think of the wording. And he came as a lamb. Now, the Spirit of God came on Jesus. How did he come on Jesus? As a dove. A lamb is a very meek and humble creature. A dove, harmless. The two most powerful beings, I guess you'd call them, on the earth, likened to a, a lamb and to a dove. Meek. Jesus said, I'm meek, lowly in heart. Humility. You know, none of them drive, pushes. No. I got doves all over. You know, I don't have much experience with lambs, but uh, I, I've known sheep farmers. <laughs> but the spirit of prophets, subject to prophets. The Holy Ghost will never make you do anything. And anything that is executed, even through a prophet's ministry, is simply up to the, the one who's, if the best way I can say, who has the fire hose. Got, you know, the, the flow, he, but he's in control where it goes or what it does. And he has the power to, to misuse it, to abuse it, to use it wisely, or to shut it off. Not on God's end. On the prophet's end. All right. And so, that's why it says this in verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the saints. Who's he talking to? The prophets. So he's giving this instruction, and it says, wield your gift correctly, and he says this, God's not the author of confusion. That means if you misuse and abuse it, you're going to bring confusion to people. And it isn't on God's end, it's your end. And so to understand the closer you're sensitive to God and sensitive people and yield it wisely, there's more peace and more order and confusion won't come in. But confusion comes because of misuse, abuse, even in the prophet's ministry. And, you know, of course, then there's just false prophets that... Have people line up $50 bills, $20 bills, and I'll give you a word. You know, you know that's not the Holy Ghost. You know that. And uh, let, let's look at some things here. Even the prophet's ministry is through a human vessel. Remember the pipes. If God wants to give a message, we'll just say in tongues interpretation. 
A prophet will know it in the service. You know, if, if he's a true prophet and spent time in the presence of God and meditation and consecration, will know. And I wish I had time to share it. Just because you know something or have something does not mean you minister something. Because when talk to congregation, says everyone you've had the psalm, a doctrine, a hymn, let all things be done to edifying. He says you have it, but it doesn't mean that you give it. It gives you instruction to, to speak to yourself and to God. Don't, don't give it in such cases. Same thing with the prophet's ministry. Now, if God wants to, to give a message like in tongues, interpretation, every prophet would know it. I'll, I'll know it. You know, I'll be in the service, I'll, I'll know it. And maybe he may even have it. Now, normally, who's, who's ever speaking, say I'd be speaking, may, unless it was a minister conference and there's several people there, that the speaker would, would either give it or give the interpretation. Now, this is what we got to see, is when God gives it, It'll go through a human vessel. And the human vessel has a lot to do of how it's communicated. It'll pick up the personality of the vessel. And let's just say, um, let's just say I gave out a message in tongues. And I interpret it. I'm used that way. And if you notice, when I give any message, it's very short and direct. You can understand it's clear, it's not fluff, get the job done. You understand, it's very simple. I don't go on for 20, 30 minutes with it. You know, remember when I go for a walk with my wife, I go for a walk, she goes for a talk, I hardly say anything. You know, and she can testify on that, so I'm not very wordy. Okay, why is that? That's me, flowing through me. It isn't going to be an elaborate vocabulary because I don't have one. You know, it's not going to use big English antiquated words because, you know, I can barely get the simple ones down. Now, if we were in a service and just say like we all know Pastor Nancy Dufresne. Now, very much educated. And number two, a woman. You know, a woman has a natural ability to speak a lot more. Remember when, when, when we were little as guys, when they're they're playing, they go, brum, 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 brum. they just make noises. Women talk. <laughs> right? It's true. And so, if there's a message of tongues, I could give it to be very direct, but because she, she has more eloquence, more bigger, better words, and can communicate and, just, and be more detailed, what would I do? I would defer it to her to interpret it. Even though I had, and just about anyone that is sensitive, especially ministry, could do that. And the, the message would be delivered based on the vessel, the human element, the human flavoring. And so we, we got to understand that. That's why some are long. And some are short. You know, when you come to me, God has a shortage of words. <laughs> it's just because I'll say it the simplest way possible, you know, and, and so forth. But, uh, but it'd be more edifying, someone a little bit more detailed. And I understand the things that pertain to the Spirit of God. 
But this is something I want us to see. And I have time. I think we need. All right. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. When God moves, the source is pure. The person handling the fire hose, so to speak, can do a whole lot with it. Could do good, could bad, do ugly, can stop it, determine how much flow there is. And, and this, this is something I want to get at. In Luke chapter 9, in verse 52... And sent messengers before his face, Jesus. And they went, his disciples went, and entered the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, Jesus. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when, his, when the disciples, James and John, saw this. Now you have to understand, James and John were caloric. If you don't know what that is, look it up in the dictionary. I don't have time to explain it. Black is black, white is white. Get in, get out, or get out of the way. They said, Lord, wilt thou, we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did. And he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them, saying, You know not what manner of a spirit you are of, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So in context, Jesus had ministered there in John chapter 4, and revival broke out. But this time he can't stay. He's got business in Jerusalem. And so he just wants to stay, get a little something to eat, and and, and rest from his journey. Well, when they found out that Jesus was going to that church in Jerusalem, they, they didn't want him in their church. And of course, James and John here, as holy and righteous as they were, Said, well, bless God, Jesus, we, we, we'll take care of this. We'll call fire down from heaven. But notice what Jesus said to him. He rebuked them, you know not what spirit, what manner of spirit you're of. And notice this, these men were apostles. They were used mightily to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. And they were mad. They were offended. They were mad at the Samaritans. And they wanted to use their office to bring judgment upon them. And Jesus said, that's not me. That's not my spirit. What's to show us that the prophet's personality is not necessarily what the Spirit of God is communicating. Just because you're mad and upset doesn't mean God is. You see people about government officials. They're mad. And because they're mad, they want you to believe that God's mad at all of them. God's not mad. No. God's not a man like you are. Yeah, God can get mad, but just because you're mad doesn't mean he is mad. And just because you think someone deserves judgment and condemnation and fire from heaven 
doesn't mean God thinks that way. So what was this again? The prophet has to discern what is his own spirit, his own take, his own personality, and separate that and to see what is the spirit of God saying and sticking to what he says and not flavor it because he's angry or upset. Can happen. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. Now, I learned this early in my ministry. Still learning it. And that's why I take a lot of time just praying wait on God before I minister. Just, why? To separate me, (laughs) you know, because I have a strong personality. To separate me and, and just to put me on check and that way more of him can flow and you know what I do before I, I every service I, I, I clean my pipes what get sentimental like, no I'm just get my personality down praying consecrate fasting you know this type of thing just endeavoring to to, to make sure I'm communicating what he's saying not what I think and um, I remember many years ago when I was associate pastor um we had a prophet of God come into the church. And I, I'm sitting in back there. And you have to understand that once I served God, I, I gave God 100%. I mean, when everyone else was goofing off, I prayed, I fasted, I sought God. I, I, I never backslid. I served him 100%. You know, lived holy, lived right for him as a young man. Now, don't get me wrong. Before I was saved, I was in a lot of the wrong things. I had to cut it off. I either love Jesus or I don't. I cut those things off. So I made the hard decisions and consecrate, dedicate myself to the Lord and lived right. Well, there was another young man about my age that was just the opposite. Instead of consecrate dedication, he, he got into everything. Drugs, wrong things, wrong relations. But, but I mean... Anything that you would consider sin, he got into. He caused his wonderful parents a lot of, a lot of shame, a lot of hurt, a lot of money. And this went on for years and years and years. And if you're not careful, you become like the older brother. And I, I remember that um, the prophet God called something out, and here comes unconsecrated guy here, he comes over and he's coming up to be ministered to because he called it out. And I'm sitting back there, he's not going to get a thing. He's absolutely not going to get a thing. I mean, he's lived wrong, he's caused the parents sorrow. Oh, who knows what he was smoking or doing, watching before he got here. And, uh, and God touched him, did a miracle for him. Just, just, just blessed him. And I'm sitting there And the word of the Lord came unto me. Now, again, what is the word of the Lord? It's not what you think he said. I'm talking about the audible voice of the Holy Ghost which speaks over here that you turn around. It said to me, he said, see, I am nothing like you. Yeah. Put that in your spiritual pulpery pot and smell it. Yeah. Why do you do that? Number one, to straighten me out when the Lord loveth, he corrects. But that has served me well. Over the years when he's corrected me, it, it, it has been pivotal points to change my, my, my outlook of ministry. 
And from that time on, I knew that I had to, I had to separate my personality, my take, my likes, my dislikes, and, and separate myself in order to allow God to say and do what He really wants to say and do. Because a lot of things can be done that you look and, uh, well, is, is that really the Lord's spirit on that? Is it His attitude? Is God angry or are you just angry? You know, then we, we can get, you know, I've seen people hit people, kick people. Can, can God tell you to hit people, kick people? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Smith Wigglesworth kicked some, get healed. I kicked a young man once, and he, and he was a goofball into homosexuality, and, and he turned overnight and, and got prepared for the ministry. Anointed. When you, when, when you hit or kick, something happens. But some people do it because they're mad at them. Well, well you, you got to discern. Did the Spirit of God tell you to do it or not? Well, they say, yeah, yeah. Well, where's the change? The big only change, I felt good doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, all these things need to, to be addressed. Ah. Mm. Oh, I could talk about that. Um, give me a few more minutes. That way, I, um, you have to understand. The Bible says this, in the book of Hebrews 3, 4, every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Every house is built by some who? Man. Not God, man. And it's talking about Moses. It says, you know, Moses was faithful in his own house. And so there's some things that was built by Moses that was Moses' flavor and take to it. It was built by Moses, not by God. Every church is built by a man. Now, what do I mean man? Male man, female man. You even take the family church. We have, we have the same vision. You go to each family church, it's different. It's way different. Why? Is, is God doing? No, it's the flavor. It's personality. It's the giftings. It's the temperaments of the pastor. And they, they build it what, how, how they, that works well for them. That's why you go to, every, every church is different. Now, like I said, I'm very caloric. You see how our services are conducted? Two songs. If you go too long with announcements, I'm going to meet you in my office. <laughs> and you know that, right? No, you, you did well. You should train me. I'm not calling you out publicly. He's pulling it. Yeah. Always tweaking. I'm very streamlined. Because yeah. naturally, I hate wasting time. I, I want to get to what God is saying God is doing. All right? You go other places, an hour and a half. 20, 20 minutes announcement, 20 minutes offer. I mean, an hour and a half before you even get to the preaching, teaching word of God. And I'm ready to walk out. I said, Jesus, help me. I, I, I've come to hear the word. I, I've come, to, I come to, to, to see what the Spirit of God is saying. And, and I'm, my service would be over already. Is one right, you know, the wrong? No. It's built. It's built. You know, that's why we don't go long, because I, I do not waste time. 
And I'm very conscious of people's time. That's why I don't have five-hour services. Now, if God shows up softening, of course. But a lot of times, people like five, six hours because they have nothing better to do and they can sleep in until 2, 2 p.m. I, I understand people have to get up and go to work at 5 in the morning. And so, I'm in control of my house, my fire hose, the way I think best. Yeah. And so, you have to understand, we're talking about the prophet personality and preferences. Doesn't mean that one is better than the other. Um, oh, I could go on. Um, can I just do one more little bit? That way maybe I can... All right. I've seen this. I'm going out on a limb. When Kenneth Hagin... When the Lord told them to start having Holy Ghost meetings, a lot of ministers didn't like it. They just wanted him to teach and, and, and minister primarily in a prophet's office by speaking. They didn't like demonstrations of the Spirit in the congregation, you know, laughing, running, shouting, dancing. And it's very interesting. You watch, you watch uh, videos of these all the ministers front row are like this. You know, there's some that, that respond, don't get me wrong. But they often say they had to get through the ministers because they, they didn't like that. They didn't like that. And yet God told them to have it, they didn't like that. And I notice this, the folks that don't like it, don't allow for it in their church. They quench the spirit. And again, they would say, well, God doesn't move like that in our church. Oh, he would if you let him. But because you quenched it, you stop it, and you don't like it, you're in control of the hose, you shut that baby off. And that's another thing, is it takes great maturity to allow something that isn't your preference. And, and be able to do there not, not to squelch it, defy it, and says, God, I know it's not my natural life, but I'll just put neutral and you bless the people. And maybe, maybe it'll get to you. And so, again, God rarely moves sovereignty. So, sovereign, how do you say it? Yeah, that. All by himself. He, he uses people. And they wield the hose, so to speak. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Well, we can go on, but let's just cut it off there. Yeah, and that, you know, when I say prophets, it could be the pastor, it could be the teacher. There's a human element. So we don't quench it, but we judge all things. Thank you, my master. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, while you're bound being reverent, um, you know, some people, some ministry gifts like upbeat music. They, they, they do better with excitement and praise and, and before they minister. Well, that's just the opposite of me. Because I spend time in the presence of God, I'm worshiping Him, intimate with Him, that I do better in a reverent atmosphere.
Now, is one better than the other? No, they're both, both expressions of God. And especially if there's an evangelist or a preacher, they, they thrive on that excitement, that hoopla. But is one better than another? No, personal preference. You know, and, and so to understand that, not one is better than another, that's why you shouldn't say, we're right, you're wrong, or, you know, we're wrong, you're right, yeah. which is personal preference. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus.